How well can you really know someone? Even the people we know all our lives have some things that never make it out. Thoughts that they'll never share, details that they couldn't tell you even if they wanted to because a person can only remember and retain and express so much. I think it's important to understand that for the most part, we can usually only know as much about someone as they want us to know. I mean, short of hiring a detective or invading their privacy. And what if that person goes through life with the intention of making everyone around them question reality itself? Someone like that risks eventually fading into the ether as a complete mystery. The person I'm thinking of here is the comic, performance artist, writer, children's entertainer, television host, singer, percussionist, and professional wrestler, Andy Kaufman. Would you welcome Andy Kaufman? And now, Andy Kaufman. Here's Andy Kaufman. The gifted Andy Kaufman. My name is Christopher Allen Maloney, and this is Knowing Andy Kaufman, a podcast documentary series about trying to understand who one of the most enigmatic entertainers in modern history really was, if that's even possible. Ladies and gentlemen, so far, everything I've done for you, really, I'm only fooling. This is really me. This is episode one. Ladies and gentlemen, Andy Kaufman. I first became aware of Andy as a kid on vacation in Florida. One afternoon, watching television at my aunt's house outside Orlando, I got my first glimpse of Andy Kaufman, and it was an epiphany. Hello, Mr. Lawler, Jerry Lawler. Do you remember me? I'm Andy Kaufman from Hollywood. Remember, you pushed me around in the ring last time I was down in Memphis, Tennessee. Well, let me tell you something, Mr. Lawler. I am not a hick. I am not. It was just a guy in his 30s talking straight to camera, apparently vowing revenge on a man who had challenged him to a wrestling match. TV shows. I am a national television star, and I want the respect that I deserve when I come down to Memphis. And I don't like any hick like you pushing me around in the ring. I never agreed to I didn't know if he were really this childish or angry, but I knew I had never seen anything like it. I had never seen anything like him. Mr. Lawler, I have a lot of money, okay? A lot of money. And I've hired a lawyer, and I am going to sue you for every cent that you've got. Every cent that you're worth. You will be in debt to me for the rest of your life. You'll never eat again when I'm through with you. You'll wish you never heard the name Andy Kaufman. Do you hear me? Do you this particular program was strictly about Andy's wrestling career. These are the sounds of Andy wrestling two challengers at once. Two women challengers. Before television, you know, wrestlers used to go from town to town in carnivals and offer $500 to any man that could last in the ring with them for three minutes. But I couldn't very well challenge men in the audience because I'd get beaten right away. I, I, mean, I mean, most men are bigger than me and stronger than me. So I figured if I challenge women, there are enough women who are almost as big or as big as me who they would have a good chance to beat me. 
He called himself the intergender wrestling champion of the world. Ladies and gentlemen, I am here to wrestle tonight. This is not a comedy routine. This is not uh, a skit, okay? This is real. I am here to wrestle a woman, okay? I am here to wrestle up to three or four women, maybe. What, is everybody, is everybody afraid? Are you even afraid? What? Let me tell you something. Just shut up. Why don't you, instead of loud mouthing off, come on the stage and tell me. Now, because he was known as a comic performer, but goes to the trouble to point out that it isn't a comedy routine, we're supposed to think that it's real on some level, that his derision and malice are real. His tirades against his eventual opponent, Jerry Lawler, were even worse. I will sue! Lawler! I will sue you! You don't touch me! I am from Hollywood! I'll get Hollywood against you, baby! I'll sue you, baby! Lawler! I don't wrestle men! You don't touch me, baby! I'll sue you or everything you've got! You won't have anything left when I'm through with you! There was something really different about this. I had seen wrestlers doing the taunting thing before. I mean, I grew up in the days of Hulk Hogan and Macho Man Randy Savage, and I was used to their theatrics. But with Andy, if there was a line between his actual personality and this wrestling guy, it was very blurred. The other wrestlers had their stage names and, and trademarks and costumes, but Andy Kaufman didn't have a stage name. It was just him. And then this was also several years before professional wrestling became mainstream with events like WrestleMania, which would introduce the world at large to things more like this. But whatever this over-the-top wrestling persona was, it seemed like it might be real. There was no makeup, there was no spandex, and his only uniform was what I guess must have been his idea of what an athlete should wear black swimming trunks over long underwear and a green bathrobe for walking to and from the ring. I'm not afraid of you, Mr. Lawler, because let me tell you something. True, I only wrestle women, but I've wrestled women that are a lot bigger and stronger than you. Matter of fact, they're probably smarter than you because you don't have any brains. You're from Memphis, Tennessee. All you do is plow the fields and farm and the farm and the... Is that how you talk to Memphis, Tennessee, Mr. Lawler? Boo. He took the wrestling thing to Saturday Night Live and talk show appearances and brought it out whenever he had the chance, never letting on that he was just joking around, that he was really the actor that people recognized from the sitcom Taxi, and that this was a bit that he was doing. We want to talk now a little bit about your uh, wrestling career. Okay. Uh... Uh, I What started out as a joke a few years ago as part of my concert act uh, now has become such a serious thing. I've gotten I've, I offer $1,000. It was $500. Now it's $1,000 to any woman who could be beat me in a wrestling match. This and is from one of his many appearances on Late Night with David Letterman. Now there's an intergender wrestling commission that they've, award they've awarded me with this championship belt. I'm now the world intergender wrestling champion. Boy, and this is not a joke. This is really yeah, true. Up. I am wrestling all over Ooh. the country defending my title. I'm undefeated. This is covered in sports pages in every city that I do it. He's not and kidding. I... This is this is molded plastic. <laughs> no, it's no, it's real. It's real. Yeah, that's it's nice. a real belt. And, and this is Andy did eventually break his own rule and wrestle a man, Jerry Lawler, in Memphis, Tennessee. It ended with Lawler doing an illegal move called the pile driver on Andy, and Andy being taken to a hospital on a stretcher. Lawler with a pile driver 
second move by Lawler, and bang goes Kaufman. Kaufman is talking, but he is not moving. This led to several months of an allegedly stunned Andy retiring from wrestling and wearing a neck brace everywhere he went afterward. I always thought wrestling wasn't real, but apparently, I guess, at least this one was. Shortly after the match, Andy and Jerry Lawler appeared on Late Night with David Letterman together. They traded insults with each other a few times, Andy again threatened to file a lawsuit, and then Lawler slapped Andy out of his chair right before a commercial break. All I want is an apology. Even you asked me last time I was on your show if I, if I was uh, going to have a that's lawsuit, right. and yeah. I could have sued you. I could have sued you for everything you're worth. Well, and I didn't, because that's, I'm not that kind of a guy. Yeah. You know what... Uh, what kind of a you're... guy are you? <laughs> no. I'll just be over here. Uh, we're going to uh, pause here for station identification and get the hoses out here. Did you hear that slap? And when the show returned from commercial, Dave did what he could to try and rein it in. Uh, is Andy, are you coming in here again? or? I'm sick of this bullshit. You are full of bullshit, my friend. I will sue you for everything you have. I will sue your ass. You're a motherfucking asshole. As far as I'm concerned, you hear me? A fucking asshole. Fuck you. I will get you for this. I am sorry. I am sorry to use those words on television. I apologize to all my friends. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But you, you're a fucking asshole. A fucking asshole. Here, Andy punctuates his final point by throwing a cup of coffee at Lawler and then running off the set. It's since been revealed that Andy and Jerry Lawler were working together to stage these events, but no one knew this at the time. Even Andy's manager, George Shapiro, told me he only knew as much as Andy thought he should know. Jerry Lawler was the king. He was known as the king. He was like the number one wrestler in the world. I, I knew he was working out things with him. I didn't know any details. Even though we now understand that Jerry and Andy were conspiring together, it's still debated how much was real, how much was staged, and how hurt Andy actually got. And these blurred lines, this ambiguity about what to believe, was my introduction to Andy Kaufman. So this was so bizarre and wonderful and crazy, and uh, that, that's, that, that's what he did, and it was uh, very exciting for me, because there was no one like him. After seeing the show on Andy the Wrestler, I discovered that wrestling was just a fraction of what Andy did, like a side hustle. It's a little difficult to explain what Andy does. Uh, he, he will do it when he comes out. and. He also played this foreign character with an impenetrable accent who told really bad jokes and did poor impressions. Thank you very much. So first, I would like to imitate Muhammad Ali. I, I am so pretty. I am, I am going to, to float like a butterfly and sting like, like a bee. Going to knock him out. Thank you very much. 
This is how he got started and how a lot of people were first introduced to him. It worked well before he got famous. He was able to trick audiences into feeling sorry for him and thinking he was a struggling immigrant comedian. Until he announced his final impression. And now, last but not to be the least, I would like to imitate the Elvis Presley. At this point, Andy starts removing a layer of clothing to reveal a sparkling costume underneath. He then combs his hair into a rockabilly style and straps on a guitar and begins dancing. Now what's important to remember here is that, at the time, imitating Elvis wasn't yet the cottage industry that it would eventually become. It wasn't a cliché. Thank you very much. <laughs> you can all just stare at me while I catch my breath. By now, the audience knew that something unexpected was happening, that he wasn't who he first appeared to be. Well, it's a one for the money, two for the show, three to get a red, and I go catch gold, but don't you step on one of the the only downside was that once this particular act had been performed to a wide audience, on The Tonight Show in this case, the surprise of it would forever be lost. Thank you very much. Foreign Man is the character of Andy's that became most well-known due to its being retained for the sitcom Taxi. Andy was on Taxi as a character named Latka from 1978 to 1983. The show featured Judd Hirsch, Tony Danza, Mary Lou Henner, and Danny DeVito, who begins this clip from the first episode. That's telling him, Latka. Being a supporting character on a sitcom with his own catchphrase was the closest Andy would ever come to becoming a household name. Thank you very much. It's kind of hard to explain everything else he was known for. He was very musical and did a lot of singing and playing the conga drums. You know, the congas are those giant barrel-sized percussion instruments that everyone incorrectly calls the bongos. He also had this alter ego character named Tony Clifton, who was a portly, washed-up Vegas lounge singer with sunglasses and a mustache, whose thing was being really rude to the audience. That was Andy's persona, who's an obnoxious lounge singer. This is from an interview I did with George Shapiro, Andy's talent manager. And, you know, he was uh, insulting the audience and uh, very nasty. And he had, he had full makeup on then, because when he started out, Andy did the impression of, of Tony Clifton, but he didn't have makeup. He put a little, like a thin mustache on. 
and went into character. But then he he got completely disguised himself, you know, with a with a with a pot belly and and a, a lot of a complete facial uh, makeover. I didn't ask you a question. If I ask you a question, you answer. All right, for you too. You don't tell me. Eventually, Andy would take turns with his co-writer, Bob Zamuda, playing Tony Clifton, never letting on who was under the disguise when. Andy always insisted Tony Clifton was another person altogether. In 1969, I went to Las Vegas and I, to see Elvis Presley, and in the lounge uh, the next day I saw Tony Clifton. Well, I didn't know who he was, but I just thought he was a really funny guy. So a few years later in New York, I started imitating him. And as the years went on, I started putting on makeup and doing him as a character. But it was really an imitation of this guy I hadn't seen. This invented backstory by Andy is from the Merv Griffin show. Later in the show, Merv confronts Andy about the rumors that he and Tony Clifton are the same person. But why would he, if you were booked on the Dinah Shore show, why would he go over and throw eggs at Miss well, Shore? What I don't really a know. Lovely I don't, lady. I don't know. All I know, what I think happened was that the Dinah Shore people probably presumed or assumed that it was me when they booked him because the rumor is that I'm him. So when they said, oh, we would like Tony Clifton, they probably thought that they were getting me in disguise. And what happened was they got the real guy and he just totally tore the place into shambles. I would love to have him on my show. Can you arrange it? I can't arrange it, but you can find out who his agent is and, and just go ahead and arrange Where's it. Where's he appearing right now, for example? I have no idea. I don't hardly know him. Sure. All I've done is talk to him a few times, hello, goodbye, when he works with me, and that's it. And then there was the stuff Andy did that doesn't really fall into a category. Like he would go up on stage and lay down in a sleeping bag for 10 minutes until his alarm clock went off. Or he would just eat a bowl of ice cream while people watched in silence. This is from a recording of the ice cream thing. Andy is sitting at a table on the stage, waiting quietly. Finally, a server appears. Okay, thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Thank you very much. Okay. And now Andy starts methodically mashing and stirring the ice cream before eating it. And the people in the crowd have no choice but to watch. And then there were performances like this one, which I still am not sure what you should call it. I trusted you, 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 I trusted you. For this, Andy is wearing an orange outfit and he's dancing all over the stage. His hair is styled up into a fluffy pompadour. His expression is as serious as a heart attack. I want to be the biggest star in the world. Your act is like amateur hour. I'm not like everybody else. I really like 
Jim Carrey portrayed Andy in Man on the Moon, a movie that came out in 1999. It kind of hit the highlights of his career and introduced a lot of people to what Andy was known for professionally, but I found it to be a very frustrating movie. I saw Jim Carrey do a convincing impression and he sort of looked like Andy, but I came away from it having no idea who Andy really was or what mattered to him as a person. Is Andy Kaufman crazy? I'm just acting crazy. I'm gonna do it again and again and again and again and again and again and again. I wanted to know more about Andy Kaufman than the movie told me. I just want to take a second to say that uh, everybody here involved with the production of our show is uh, uh, deeply saddened uh, over the death of Andy Kaufman. Andy's uh, presence and appearances on our show always brought a lot of fun and, and real excitement. He, uh, he certainly was unique, and uh, we're going to miss him. He died the year before I was born, at the age of 35, so when my interest in him kicked in, it was already too late. I was left with only secondary sources to satisfy my curiosity. And there was this common theme in everything I watched and read about Andy, which was this thought that you couldn't know the real Andy because there wasn't a real Andy. In fact, Man on the Moon centers around that premise. This is from a scene in the movie. I'm a bad person. You are a complicated person. You don't know the real me. There isn't a real you. Oh, yeah. I forgot. He was known for always being in character and never letting anyone see behind the facade of whatever performance he was doing at the time. And so this mythology began to build up, especially once he was gone. There's always a duality going on. This is from an interview Danny DeVito, one of the producers for Man on the Moon, gave on Andy when the biopic came out. And it reflects a lot of what has been said on the subject. There's the, the, the Andy you think you know, Right? Then there are all the characters, and he delves, he's so committed to each of those characters that at the time that they're there with you, it's a little scary. That might be Andy. Is that Andy? Is that the one? Is that the guy? Is that the real Andy? Even Andy himself seemed to be aware of these questions about who he really was, and even played around with it. This is from Saturday Night Live. Well, you know, before I've been on the show, I've done characters, you know, like the little foreign man, foreign immigrant. You know, say, thank you very much. I'm very happy to be here. You know, and uh, then I've done this American character who go, hi, I'm Andy, and hello, how are you? Oh, the cow goes, you know. And uh, I thought instead of doing that, why don't I just come out and be straight with you and just be myself? He was not British, by the way. And then this is from an interview for a behind-the-scenes thing on a TV special he did. Andy... Kaufman was born in 1937, January 17th, 1937. But here's the thing, Andy was born in 1949. He was 35 when he died in 1984. I haven't been able to find out why he decided to make himself 12 years older for this interview. Wondering what was real with Andy is just part of the experience. For someone whose career was based on doing things we had never seen before, this came with the territory. There was just so much that didn't even seem like entertainment, like times when it appeared he might have actually lost his mind, or genuinely needed help. 
You've seen my next guest on Saturday Night Live, and he was seen on the hit series Taxi as Latka. Uh, however, uh, he has not been on television much lately. He's been, I guess, busy doing other things. Nonetheless, I'm glad that he has agreed to be with us here this morning. Please welcome Mr. Andy Kaufman. This is from David Letterman's show, of course. Andy stumbles out, looking very rough. He's disheveled, his clothes are stained, he's got a few days stubble on his face, and then there's a glossy substance smeared just under his nose. Would you like a tissue? Can I, would you like a tissue? Later in the show, Andy explains how things in his life aren't going so well, before eventually asking the studio audience for any money that they can spare. I started, I had a manager, I got a manager, Shapiro West, and associates, George Shapiro, a wonderful man. And he was my manager for the uh, for next few years. And then Taxi came along, and I was doing all these far out things on television shows, but when Taxi came along, it was just one character, the Latka. And I kind of felt inhibited by it that, you know, I was just able to do the one character. I wanted to have more freedom creatively to do these other things, and the things I used to do on Saturday Night Live and stuff. And, um, Um, so anyway, I quit the show, and my wife, uh, at that time I was wrestling women on Saturday Night Live, I got a lot of hate mail, and uh, no producer would hire me after that. So one day I was at my manager's office uh, trying to get a, an engagement for a dinner theater in Wisconsin, and I got a call from my wife's lawyer. She wanted a divorce, and she got a divorce, she got the kids, the house, she got all my money. This was a premeditated and staged appearance, but there was a lot of truth in it. His manager was George Shapiro from Shapiro West, and Andy did admit to feeling inhibited by his role on Taxi. But he didn't quit the show. He stayed in place until the show went off the air, which was after this appearance. And he did get hate mail and fewer offers because of the wrestling, but he was never divorced because he was never married. I'm not, I'd rather, if you don't, uh laugh because um, I'm not trying to be funny right now. Even when Andy died, there was immediate doubt as to whether his death was real or an elaborate hoax. There are even those today who hold out hope that he faked his death and is waiting for the right time to re-emerge. I produced a documentary back in 2008 that looked at that phenomenon. Side note, it was my first thing after film school, it had no budget, and I don't even know if you can find it anywhere anymore. One good thing that came from it was that I met Andy's brother, Michael. Michael Kaufman's office. Michael has sort of become the unofficial guardian of Andy's legacy. When I asked him about doing a podcast on finding out about the so-called real Andy, he was immediately on board. Hi, Michael. This is Chris. Hi, Chris. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. Good. Nice to uh, reconnect with you. Oh, it's, yeah, it's great to hear your voice after all this time. Yes, and yours too. There are two misconceptions about Andy right off the bat that Michael wants to clear up. One of them is... Um, Oh, just a minor thing. He was so crazy, he must have been on drugs. Um, no, Andy was not on drugs. Andy was so straight. Um, yeah, he may have smoked marijuana in high school, 
Um, but I don't think he ever got harder than that. Andy was pure and clean, no no drugs, no nothing. So that's just a, a little thing to get out of the way. Okay, so none of the bizarre things that Andy did were the result of being under the influence of anything. Good to know. The other thing is that he, he must have been difficult to work with. Like, how could he do how could he do that on Friday? How could he do it to his fellow actors, break from a scene and embarrass everyone on Fridays? What he's referring to is a show that came on the air in 1980, a live sketch comedy show in the vein of Saturday Night Live. During an episode in which Andy was the guest host, he broke character and stopped saying his lines in the middle of a sketch, leaving his co-stars, including Michael Richards, who would go on to play Kramer in Seinfeld, to squirm on live TV. In the sketch, he's supposed to be a guy named Carl, who's just gotten high in the bathroom of a restaurant. At this point, Andy has stopped delivering his lines, and the other people in the sketch are just sitting awkwardly up there with him. Something wrong, Carl? You okay, I can't, um... It goes on like this for a while, until Michael Richards walks off to the side, grabs the cue cards, and then drops them aggressively in front of Andy, eliciting cheers from the crowd. I think I'm gonna... Andy, in turn, dumps his glass of water in Richards's face. This leads to a scuffle with Andy and another of the actors while Richards leaves the table. And then at some point, the stage manager of the show runs in and gets into a full-blown fistfight with Andy. Then, like when Letterman went to commercial as Andy was slapped out of his chair by Jerry Lawler, the show cuts out and goes black. So the truth of that one is that he went out, he had uh, dinner uh, with Jack Burns, who was the one he had the pushing with on Fridays. Um, Jack Burns uh, is the uh, director, and they they went out for dinner with each other. They wanted to spend more time with each other so they can just feel each other out, understand each other's nuances, moves, so that when they had their fight on Friday, it would look natural. Um, so Jack Burns knew, John Moffat, the producer, and his partners, um, whatever the people in New York, the legal people who approved things, um, they all knew. Everyone knew um, except the actors. The only actor who knew um, in their various um, versions of this, but I got the one from Andy, and the only one who knew was, uh, to any degree, was Michael Richards. All he was told was, something's going to happen, keep it moving. So he improved, you know, on his own to get the, the cards, which was excellent, but then he kept it moving. 
So the Fridays thing, and other events like the Fridays thing, was pulled off by Andy so well that it made people question if Andy was unstable. Even his act itself, if you watch him, you'll see Andy looking at the ground. He's looking at the ground because he knows what, where, what spot he should be on in order for the next part of the skit to, to happen. Um, he wears a watch, you know, so it wasn't such a crazy improv, you know, out of control um, bit that Andy did. You know, it was quite, um, quite planned. George Shapiro had to deal with concerns about Andy's mental stability before agreeing to take him on as a client. My main concern was that, you know, I, he may be insane. So I, I, I said, I have to be sure that, he's, that he, he's not insane. So I took him out to lunch, I took him out to dinner, and he was uh, very, very personable. He had a beautiful heart. He always cared about people. You know, he had great humanistic uh, heart. And, uh, and he just treated people beautifully. This has to be the most surprising thing about Andy Kaufman, that the person here... But you, you're a fucking asshole! A fucking asshole! A fucking asshole! ...was actually a sweet guy. He was just really good at what he did. You know, the thing that really made me say, yes, this is a guy I want to work with, because he cared about his family so much. You know, his, his mother and father and his brother and his sister. And he said every time he flew east from L.A., he would stop off to see his grandma Lily in Florida. Grandma Lily, he went to visit in Florida. This is Michael Kaufman again. He rented a camcorder and took four hours of video of grandma that weekend with her. Andy, said, do you want something to eat, no, honey? I asked him, he said no. Andy, you uh-huh. sure you don't want something, honey? I'll fix something for you. Were you taping what we were saying? Yeah. Say something now. I love you. I love you too. They both drove over to Aunt Esther's house and he brought the camcorder with him. Okay. Watch this. I don't have to even have my hands on the wheel. Not even on the wheel. I don't have to. Okay? Okay, here we go. Whoa! Look at this. 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 Look at he incorporated her into his act more than once. You're going to sing for us, is that correct? Yeah, but aren't we going to call my grandmother? You want to call your grandmother? <laughs> this is from another appearance on Late Night with David Letterman. Calling Andy Kaufman's grandmother, if you just tuned in, ladies and gentlemen. Who knows, tomorrow night maybe we'll call your grandmother. Hello. Oh, hello, uh, Lily? Yes. Uh, my name is David Letterman. I'm calling from New York City. Uh, are, y- are you Andy Kaufman's grandmother? Yes. Oh, uh, Andy is here, and he, he wanted me to call you, and he has something he wants to tell you. Okay. She couldn't be more excited, yeah. Andy. Hello, Grandma? Yes, darling. Hi, how are you? I'm fine. Oh. So, gra- I'm fine? Yeah. I just want to say, Grandma? Yes. I love you. And I love you. 
If you watch any of Andy Kaufman's performances, you'll eventually see him wearing a light blue long-sleeve pullover with the words, I love grandma, printed on the front. This was worn for live shows and national TV appearances numerous times. You know, wearing I love grandma, that was no joke. Yeah, that was really what I was going to ask you about that, because he would wear that. And I think probably maybe people see it and think it's tongue in cheek. But I, I get the sense that it's a very sincere thing to do. That's probably one of the more sincere things that you you, you, you could see him do. Um, and if I'm not mistaken, did we bury him in that? I have a funny feeling we may have buried him in it. I'm not sure. Andy said to me, Michael, there's nothing like a grandmother's love. Nothing. It's all love. They don't have to, they're, they're not bothered with disciplining you or anything. They just give you love. That's it. Besides Grandma Lily, there was Grandpa Cyril, who died suddenly when Andy was very young. Grandma Pearl was Cyril's wife. Grandma Lily's husband was Grandpa Paul. Paul, he's the big one. He is the big one. He was a ham. He had a jewelry company, a costume jewelry company, who um, his children worked at. Um, and um, must have made enough money at some point to join a country club, Fresh Meadow Country Club uh, in Great Neck. But somehow he was in charge of putting on the entertainment for the kids at, at Thanksgiving and whatever, whatever other holidays there were. A young, impressionable Andy was apparently watching every move that Grandpa Paul made. At Andy's bar mitzvah, which was held at that country club, it was found out that all the men's golf shoes got mismatched. They weren't pairs anymore. And, and so management and everybody was blaming Andy's friends for it. But they found out it was Grandpa Paul who had changed all the shoes around. Grandpa was always buying um, the newest the newest thing. His, his, his Chrysler Imperial, 1956 Chrysler Imperial, had a phonograph in the front. It was added on and, and magic tricks. So the, the like, goofing and pranks and magic tricks... Uh... Those all come from Grandpa Paul. Yeah, it, it just that that was a possibility of, of going in a direction other than adding up numbers. Oh, right. Oh, right, because he saw an adult that he loved and respected doing silly things. Right. And I think if it wasn't for Grandpa Paul, I don't know that, that you, you would know who Andy is today. The adding up numbers comment is, I believe, an allusion to Andy's dad, Stanley, who was, by all accounts, a very practical man. There's a picture of, uh, I think my bar mitzvah picture, and Andy's bar mitzvah um, album. Both of us have a picture of, of, of my father yelling at Andy. You know, the, the photographer caught. Um, dad was more vocal in his disapproval of Andy. Uh, he kind of didn't understand Andy because I remember Uncle Sidney, my great uncle, Andy's great uncle. He he had to explain to Andy to to Stanley who Andy was. To be fair to Stanley, I think he had the same response to his son that most people who are aware of Andy have, at least initially. 
If Andy were an easy person to understand, this podcast wouldn't exist. But obviously, there was also a lot of uh, a lot of the yelling that, that that my father would do at Andy had substance to it. It wasn't just you know it was instructional. It wasn't just um, flying off the handle, which which at the time I assumed it was just flying off the handle. It's been said that the character of Tony Clifton was Andy's take on his father's abrasive manner, with him in particular. Richard Bell just took credit for inspiring it. I think my father's the one who inspired it. There was something about the nature of, um, of the belligerence. Not my father's belligerent type, but he could be um, with Andy. I catch anybody in a lie or untruth, we're phony baloney. Let me tell you something, they're going to have to answer to me. Yeah, it's funny because like at one of the Thanksgiving dinners, um, I remember uh, my father imitating Tony Clifton very innocently. He didn't know better than anybody else could have off the street, um, and and was amused by Tony Clifton. But I but I still say that he was um, an inspiration for the character. But he didn't know, right? If he knew, he didn't figure it out on his own. On the episode of Late Night, where Andy incorporated Grandma Lily, he also brought along Stanley and his mother, Janice. Do you want to introduce your parents? Yeah. All right, okay. go ahead. Mom, This is my mommy and daddy. Well, in- <laughs> he brings your parents on, whom he calls mommy right. and daddy. Did he call yeah. them mommy and daddy even off camera? Probably so. People are laughing because it seems kind of cutesy, but it also, tell me if I'm right about this, I thought, for the most part, he was being very genuine. I think you're right. He wasn't forcing it. Maybe he knew it was entertaining, but it, well, so maybe it's genuine, but he still knew that there was something entertaining about it or amusing about it just to show their their real relationship very sincere and it might it might even be he's not going to let uh, being on television alter who he is well because if it was real it was good enough this appearance with his parents and grandmother from late night with David Letterman is one that haunts me It was the year before Andy died, and he spends his entire slot telling people from his family in front of a very large audience how he actually feels about them. And based on my conversation with Michael, I have to keep in mind that just because people are laughing doesn't mean that what is happening isn't authentic and meaningful. I'm sorry, what was your name? Stanley. Stanley Kaufman, nice to meet you, sir. And Andy's Janice. Janice, nice to meet you. And uh, you. this is a pretty exciting being on TV with your son, huh? It is very yeah. exciting. Have you ever been on television before? Once. Once, Once before, yeah. Where was that? In California. Uh-huh. With, with Andy? With Andy. Andy yeah. had a skit going up and needed uh, parents. Are you proud of Andy? Very. Oh, very much. Okay. Andy, uh, I, I feel like I'm kind of eavesdropping here on a family event. Okay. Uh, I just want to say... Mommy and Daddy, uh, I never told you this before, but I just want to say that I love you both very much, and uh, I'm sorry for, for if I, I know I was a hard kid growing up, I gave you hard times, and I'm sorry 
for all the hard times I gave you. And um, I want to thank you, and I appreciate all the good, you know, things bringing me up and all the good things you've given me and just being my parents. And I really appreciate you. I'm very grateful to have you both as my parents. And I love you both very much. And we love you. Knowing Andy Kaufman is produced and edited by me, Christopher Allen Maloney. For more information, find us on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Be sure to rate and review Knowing Andy Kaufman on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Original music is by Victoria Regal. The audio of Andy's visit with Grandma Lily is from a record produced by Drag City called Andy and His Grandmother. Archival material is protected under the Fair Use Doctrine of the Copyright Act of 1976 and is intended for educational and commentary purposes. Join us next time for Episode 2, Around the Kitchen Table. <laughs>